Performa Heroes. Welcome to the Performa Popcast. I'm your host, Peter Sirs. And uh, you guys, I'm very excited to bring you, we, we just had so many amazing guests on this show so far, and we've got another one for you. Um, before we start, grab a tissue, guys, because there might be some tears involved. Um, my next guest, after going from fit to fat, Scott McDermott built a 15,000 square foot gym in the year 2002. He wrote a book called If Your Body Were a Car, You Wouldn't Treat It This Way, which I love. Scott entered triathlon in 2005, and in November 2015, he competed in the Ultraman World Championships in Hawaii, um, but then he crashed his bike, um, breaking his shoulder, his ribs, his arms, broke his skull, and he almost died. Um, he's made a remarkable recovery, and you can watch it, the whole story, on the new documentary, Living the Warrior's Code. And uh, obviously with COVID, Scott was forced to shut down his gym in 2020. And now he's kind of refocused everything into uh, speaking and coaching. And we're very glad to have him with us. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Scott McDermott. Hello, sir. Woo. Hey, Peter. <laughs> okay, so uh, we were talking off air, but yes, I just watched uh, Warrior's Code. And I cried uh, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times. And you, and yeah, you did too. Um, okay, so first of all, let's just let's let's go back to the beginning because I'm like I said, I'm sure I don't want to cry just yet. So, uh, <laughs> what made you get into doing triathlons? Because that's you know, triathlons is one thing, and then we obviously evolved into doing Ultraman. So, what was the first kind of like, you know? I want to do the triathlon. <laughs> well, and it literally started <clears throat> that simply. And it's funny in the intro, you said I went from fit to fat, which I actually did. I went from fat oh, to fit, and then fit to fat. No, it's funny. I read it right. No, it was actually <laughs> funny because I actually did both, right? I went from fat to fit, and then I went from fit to fat, and then back to fit again. I just thought that was kind of funny, and I, I, I thought I'd bug you a little, but um, damn it. <laughs> it's all good. That's the fun thing about recording these things live. There's no perfection. Um, but you know what? Literally in my small town of Silver Lake, there was a half Ironman triathlon that was put on in town. Okay. In 2004. And so a half Ironman, it's a, so it's a 1.9 kilometer um, swim and then a 90 kilometer bike and half marathon. So um, like in American, like a 1.2 mile swim, uh, like a 42 mile bike and then half marathon. Okay. Okay. Miles. Thank Thank you for translating because yeah. I'm, I'm a stupid American that doesn't know no, how no. to convert. It's two <laughs> systems, right? It's like America <laughs> and the rest of the world. Anyway, I, yeah. I had to bug you. So I saw that <laughs> and I thought, I wonder if I could finish something like that. Like, you know, I couldn't swim, like I couldn't swim lengths or, or I, I'd never swam open water. I, I, I could not drown for chunks of time, you know, like I can, right. I can swim, but I couldn't. Right. And I thought, well, whatever. And I was a spin class instructor in a gym, like, cause I own a gym and I thought, well, I can ride the hell out of an indoor bike for an hour. I mean, you know, I think with a little bit of training, I could handle three hours. And then, uh, you know, I used to run in high school before I broke my back and, uh, but you broke your back in high school. I did. Yeah. A gymnastics accident. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, crushed the tops and bottoms of three lower vertebrae and cracked one and a half. I don't recommend that. Um, yeah, yeah that was, <laughs> that sucked a lot, but, um, so of course I didn't, I didn't do a lot of sports for a long time until I, and then that's what led to getting fat and sick in the nineties, sitting at a desk all day. And, uh, then I got fit and healthy and my back pain went away. So I thought, well, I think I could learn to run again. So I thought I'd give it a shot. 
and uh, hired a coach and I trained for 10 months and by God, if I was an eighth in my age category, like I just crushed it. I had wow. a heck of a race and I was just hundred percent addicted. And five weeks later I did my full first full Ironman at Ironman Canada, which uh, wasn't five, uh, five weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I doubled all of my training distances and did a full iron five weeks. later. Oh my God. Okay. So, so for those of you uh, that don't know, and myself included an Ironman um, is uh, I know it's like two marathons is the run, right? Nope, not quite. That's an Ultraman. Oh, okay. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. So Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim and then Got it's it. a 112 mile bike. And then it's a 26.2 mile marathon. Oh, a marathon. Okay. Okay. Right? Got it. So in Canadian, it's a 3.8 K swim, 180 K bike in a, in a 42 K run. Got so it. that's an Ironman. So I did one of those five weeks later and then I was just hundred percent hooked. And so I did a whole bunch of those. And then, okay. then I moved to Ultraman, which is a six mile, 10 K swim, 426 K bike, which I think is 275 miles. And then a 52 mile double marathon. Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah, it really is. Like, you, here's the thing. So I don't know what you know about me, but you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big workout person too. And yeah. I love like, I'm sure you're familiar with like guys like David Goggins and stuff like that, you know, um, love that makes me want to do things. Um, I watched you and watched the movie and or even just any Iron Man. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's the one thing, <laughs> like I don't, I, I look challenge myself, uh, you know, I try, I'm in the gym two hours a day, probably sometimes more than that. And I have no desire at all, but I have the utmost respect for, you know, people that do that because it's a different, I mean, essentially, and I mean this in the best way, but you guys are kind of crazy. Yeah. If I'm being honest. No, it's true. But that's the fun thing about fitness is there's levels of crazy, right? Right. Yeah. Like, got, like, like I, I had a, I had a trainer at my gym that was an IFBB pro and you know, I won't get too far into it, but I would never want to live that. Yeah. Lifestyle. Like, yeah. We've had, we've had some, uh, some, uh, some bodybuilders on the show and same thing. It's like, yeah, I don't want to do that either. I just, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, look, you look amazing and I love that you do the Mr. Olympia and the Miss Olympia. And I love that you love that. It's just not my jam. Right. Uh -huh. right? So which is cool. That's the fun thing is there's the variety, right? It's yeah. like a smorgasbord. You get to pick and choose. Oh, I think I'll do obstacle course racing. I think I'll do endurance. I think I'll pick up a house. I think I'll, right. you know, like you can <laughs> right, pick yeah. and choose, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, look, let me ask you a question. Um, so when you did your first, like when you started this whole journey, triathlon, how, how young were you? Uh, my first was a sprint distance triathlon in 2005. So I would have been, what, 36? Okay. So not a spring chicken. Nope. But I mean, still like a lot of life ahead, obviously, but that's a, that's a late, that's a, well, yeah. it's not, so that's, and then, so by the time you're in, you're in your mid forties, almost fifties when you're doing Ultraman at that point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So there's, there's hope yet. As I get older, I can still oh, yeah. do amazing things. That's great. I love 100%. it. percent. I'm, uh, I'm signed up the race again to Ultraman world championships this year. I've been accepted in the race again for November and I'm turning, yes. 50, I'm turning 52 in a month. Wow. So, yeah. Miro Krager, uh, who's a Slovenian military guy, he won Ultraman World Championships at age 51. Wow. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these, like, you know, a lot of these ultra guys and, like, these super high-endurance athletes, like, they really start to hit their peak, you know, a little bit older than, like, say, 
you know, a baseball player or someone like, where it's like 50, you're not playing baseball anymore. No, that's right. But yeah, for it's 100%. Like, and there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Like as we age, our mitochondria becomes more efficient at processing oxygen and, and fat as a fuel source and we become more efficient. And there's obviously, there's a point where that diminishes. Right, but of course. When you're, when you're in your 20s, you, you're not any good at ultra distance. You're just okay. not, right? You're, you're good at, you know, like 10K run, right. right? But you're not good at 100K run. Your body's just not efficient yet. So if you look at all the best ultra distance runners, they're all in their thirties and forties, right? Okay. And yeah. there's an economics to it as well, right? Because you need to train a lot. Like to train for an Ultraman, I train 20 to 30 hours a week. Right. Well, if you're brand new in your career and you're brand new to a family and you're brand new to owning a house, you're not training 30 hours a week. Right. So you need to be established. So there's an economic part of it too. So that was that that, I, that was going to be kind of one of my questions. So we can just ask. So how, yeah, how does that work? Like, because obviously I know you're a business owner and stuff. Um, do you just hire a bunch of people and like, all right, take care of this while I'm training, or is it just like extra stress involved, or like how does that work? Because that, that that's what I, when I was watching you, you know, training and you were like, you went somewhere for like a month leading up into the thing, and I'm like, okay, I. I mean, I'm, I do stand up, so it's a little bit different for me, but even still, like yeah. I couldn't just be gone for a month, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a huge, huge piece of it. One is like when I ran my gym, I had a phenomenal team, right? So I had five managers that worked for me. So when I would leave, all I had to do was on my laptop, coordinate the managers. Got it. And then they would coordinate the team of the 27 staff and manage okay. everything. So you have to have a team in place, but even as far as your family goes, like it's, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really friggin' hard. Yeah. You know, you're, you're up at five in the morning to, to go to the pool, to swim for three hours before work at nine. Right. And then you yeah. work and then at lunch you do another, you do a run or something, or you'll come home and then have supper and, and do a little bit of late night work and then put my son to bed and whatever. And then at 10 o'clock climb on the bike for an hour and a half till 1130 and then go to bed at midnight and do it over again. Like you just, it's just hard. It's, that, sound, that sounds like not enough sleep, Scott. There was a lot of that. <laughs> very guilty of, of not enough sleep. It's hard. It, it really is. Yeah. It's one of the single hardest components, especially you, know, you get into the thick of the training and my Saturday bike rides are six, seven, eight hours long. Like it's, it's just a lot, right? right. You, you really need to be committed. Like okay. any sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as far as that goes, like, uh, is that, is that where like people at certain point they start looking for sponsors and stuff like that because it is easier to kind of have not the pressure of like okay well I'm training for this thing but I also have a job or responsibilities like so let me get sponsors so then they can help me and then I can just focus on training is that kind of how that works yeah for sure and it's it's harder and harder to get sponsors I mean I was really lucky Performa came on pretty early to help me out um, Performa was amazing huge sponsor for the film um, and uh, the owner of the company uh, was really great to help take the edge off quite a few different things. And then of course my company itself, because I'm a gym, right. I could justify putting sponsorship dollars towards myself, but That's then anything great. else like, um, you know, hammer nutrition um, or Rudy project, like they would sponsor, like Rudy would give me a helmet, which is cool. You can't get <laughs> it. It doesn't feed the family, but it's a, it's a, it's a $200 helmet. I didn't have to buy. So, you know right. what? Right on. So, you know, and, and, and ultra running shoes gave me a discount on shoes, which, Hey, great. I'll take it. Right. So yeah. Sponsorship. Um, 
it's it's tougher. I, I don't know. Maybe there are people that were more successful than I was. I I found that to be a real challenge trying to get because <laughs> I because I I'm watching and I, I'm sorry we'll go back and forth but like I'm watching this documentary and you have like a team which that was something that for me like obviously like like I said never had any interest <laughs> in doing an ultra or anything but like seeing how like you guys all have like a team and so I'm looking at like a okay well there's five or six people you have helping you that's got to cost money and. Yep where does that come from? And then what do those people do for their jobs? Like, and so it's like, it would, but it was really cool to see like the community aspect of it. Like everybody's team is helping each other and stuff, but like, how does that work? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I promised my athlete or my, my athlete team, my, my, my crew, my Ohana is that, Hey, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bust my butt and save money. And I'm going to, you know, I did some crowdfunding and whatever I had to do, but basically I'm going to pay for the accommodations in Kona. And I'm going to pay for your jerseys and I'm going to pay for your food, the van rental and the gas. So really all you have to pay for is your flight there. And then you, I mean, it's a vacation right. and, and then three or four days of it are really friggin' hard work, but, but it is a vacation in a sense, okay. but it's, it's a, it's a lot to ask, but it's such a rich experience. Like it's yeah. so fun to do that race with your buddies. Like when you come home from having done an Ironman, um, and you, and your buddy's like, how was the race? And you try to describe it. They're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And they don't <laughs> get it, right? It's like, I don't know, it sounds weird. And if you look at, you know, my wife sees me, I give her a peck on the cheek in the morning, and then I blend with a couple thousand other guys in black rubber suits. You don't know who I am anymore. And then I jump in the lake or the ocean and I come right. back, you know, an hour later and, and maybe you see me in transition, get on my bike and then I'm gone for five and a half hours. And, and right. if you drive somewhere through the crowds and maybe you see me for a second, shoom, yeah, there he was. And then, and well, you just hang out for a few hours and then, you, then I'm on the marathon. Now the marathon, at least I'm slower moving so you can watch me trot by and uh -huh. see me a couple of times. But you know, in a, in a 10, 11 hour race, my wife at an Ironman might see me for maybe three minutes all in. Got it. It's, it's just, and, and even your buddies, if they come to watch you, they don't even get to see you. But when you're an Ultraman, and they're on your crew they get to see you the whole three days and it was amazing because my two best friends were on my crew in the first one i did um the first world championships in 2013 and it was really richly rewarding as a as a as an athlete as a friend as a person to have your two best buddies see the hell that you go through because right. they just had no idea like <laughs> They just had no clue. Like I don't, I get motion sick. And so the ocean swim is one of the hardest things for me. And I remember- Oh, so is that why you throw up? Yeah. I get oh. motion sick just all the time. Right? Okay. They so, did, I don't know if I missed it in the film, but I remember them saying like, every time he swims, he throws up, but- he <laughs> Yeah. No, I just, okay. ever since I was a little kid, you put me in the backseat of a car, I'm puking. That's okay. just the way of it. So, you know, I'm taking gravel and whatever to try and get through the swim, but I've never managed. In 2013, um, I swam for five hours and threw up for three of those. Oh God. It was awful. <laughs> and so then I crawl out of the ocean an hour and a half late from my usual swim time. Right. And, uh, the guys were like, you know, what are we going to do? And so we were straight lining Coca-Cola and bananas to get my body back in, in gear. And, um, I just, I rallied back to make, I think I made the cutoff on day one in 2013 by like 12 minutes or something, but it was one of the single hardest things I've ever had to do. And my buddies were witness to a human being going to the depths of hell, right? To not quit. 
And it's amazing, as hard as that was, it's amazing to share that experience and then to get up the next day and go, okay, let's bike ride for 12 hours. You know, right. nine, I guess it was nine and a half or 10 or whatever. And then, then the next day you get up again and you can hardly walk when it's like, well, let's run a double marathon in, right. in, in hundred degree heat on, on a black asphalt highway with lava. With like, with like lava around yeah. you and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, so this is something that's come up, you know, I'm, I'm super into health and fitness and this is, so, and I listen to a lot of like, you know, a lot of podcasts like these and whatever, like I like being inspired. Uh, this has come up a lot recently and I guess I kind of get it, but like a lot of athletes, especially like endurance athletes, like yourself talk about um, like that post, like you just talked about drinking Coke, <clears throat> like, right. And so is that just about, is it just about the sugar or is there something in Coke that's like, cause this is like the third or fourth time that this has come up in an interview that I've listened to or now that I'm getting to conduct, but is it just the sugar or like, what else is it about Coke specifically? It's magic. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, no, it literally is. It's rocket fuel. So here's the thing. When you're, when a human body is under stress and heat and pressure, like when you're racing to the depths in, in heat and in and endurance, stuff like that, basically your body has decisions to make it needs to prioritize blood flow to the working muscles, right? In this case, right. your legs. And so that means there's no blood flow for digestion. So it down-regulates digestion, right? It down-regulates stomach acidity. Um, it just, it, it reprioritizes, right? The only problem is you're racing long enough that you need fuel. Right. So if you put fuel in to a stomach that is down-regulated and not digesting food, now you're bloated and you're puking and you're not getting any of the fuel. Well, the fascinating thing about Coke or Pepsi, I don't care which one. We'll go is, Coke. Yeah, I, Coke, whatever. I, I don't drink. I, I never drink the stuff. Right. It is funny, unless I'm right? racing, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's like, it's not a health food. So I never do. But um, it has the same acidity as stomach acid. Really? So it replicates stomach acid. Plus it's loaded with glucose. Pure sugar. sugar, the easiest yeah. form of fuel there is, period, yeah. right? And it's got caffeine, which delays onset muscle soreness and improves right. metabolism temporarily. So it's the one, two, three punch. It helps yeah. me digest the banana that I'm having next, right? It helps me um, get a little caffeine hit and it, it feeds me pure sugar. Like, so, and yeah, it's rocket fuel. Like it's just, yeah. it keeps you going. Like I said, it's come up. I was listening to uh, the guy. I forget. I'm, I'm sorry for forgetting your name, but uh, the guy who like who, he's won like the CrossFit Open a bunch of times. Matt Fraser. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he's like when he's competing, he'll have like Coke and Snickers. And I'm like, what, dude? I wouldn't touch those things. And then like David Goggins, it's the same thing. And it's like yeah. there's got to be something to it. And I just I knew that that the sugar had to do something with it, but the stomach acidity is something that makes complete yeah. sense um and then caffeine obviously you know if you're yeah. into pre-workout like i am it's you know same <laughs> thing but you know that's yeah. one of the main ingredients in most pre-workouts is caffeine so that makes sense man that's awesome yeah. um yeah. okay so um how first of all how many how many of these have you done like how many ultras iron mans have you done uh, i've done seven iron mans and four ultras i did ultraman canada 2011 then i did worlds 13 crash 15 did it again 
um, uh, 18. So, wow. And there, that's, that's amazing, man. Uh, so, okay. So now we're going to get to <laughs> that. So 2015, you're making really good time. And this is, this is the ultra, right? We were in Hawaii. You got your, now this is the, so this is the thing that I think I kind of got. And like I said, I might've missed it, but you were filming it in 2015 just to document it. Right. Correct. We just thought it'd be neat because it's this little race. Nobody's heard of. Right. right. So everybody knows Ironman. And like, if you go to Ironman world championships in, in Kona, Hawaii, there's helicopters everywhere. There's, there's, you know, 10,000 people on Kona. There's six different right. news networks. Whereas Ultraman there's only 40 people invited in the world. There's no prize money. There's no TV coverage. There's no, no prize money. None. You get a you, t-shirt and a medal. So, so you just do it to be like, yo, I did it. That's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you, I love okay. it. So yeah. I, I go back to my previous statement and you guys are all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we pay a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Even yeah. more crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, that's a nice medal. You're like, you damn right. That's a ten thousand yeah. dollar medal. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can get them for three bucks, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> this one you can't. Yeah. Okay, so um, forty people, and that's that's the one where you have to uh, you have to complete an event to qualify to get into right. this event, right? So yeah. you can't, like, I can't just sign up for it, which I wouldn't want to do, but I couldn't do it. I had to prove right. myself, right? That's right. You'd have to, you'd have to complete an iron distance minimum event under a got certain it. time to prove that you've got um, the training to finish the event. So, and then, and then with that, I mean, I'm sure that more than 40 people apply, just only 40 people get in. So they have to, do, do they well, have year to year? You never know, right? Okay, right. It, it might be 60 apply. It might be 70. It might be 24. It, Got it. Okay. It, it changes every year. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Some years it doesn't fill. Most years it does. And they cut it at 40. You just never know. There's a lot of different situations. Like I know this year for November, I they didn't fill because of, of COVID, right? There's right. a lot of people that can't travel, can't afford to. There's all that kind of stuff. I still yeah. don't know how I'm going to afford it. But anyway, we'll cross <laughs> that bridge later. But uh, yeah, in 2013, was my first world championships and um like in 2011 i was sixth overall at ultraman canada i had a 27 hour race it was great um i was 20 minutes from second place and just had the race of my life and then um we, i took a year off because we my wife and i had our son Katie. and then i was driving her nuts so she let me <laughs> race again so I went, <laughs> I went uh to the worlds in 2013 and cashed in my my, my free access because i had placed so well in canada and uh, I did the worlds and I was 21st in the world. And I think I was 31 and a half hours or something. And uh, I thought, this is really great, but Hawaii was so overwhelming to me. I think I can come back in 2015 and, and really do well. And, and I, I just thought it'd be really fun to film that like just some regular guy. Cause I don't look like a triathlete. Like if you, like I'm 200 pounds, I'm 5'10", I'm stocky legs, I got a long back and really thick legs, right? Like, right. I, I don't look like a triathlete. Like, I'm standing on the line against guys that are a buck 40, a buck 50, right? right. So I, I outweigh everybody by 50, 60 pounds. So they're like, who brought the big guy? And, uh, <laughs> right? But I'm really stubborn and I train really hard and I never quit. And that's my asset, right? I'm just a yeah. diesel engine. And I thought it'd be really fun to make a film about this average guy who doesn't have this genetic endurance pedigree 
finishing this big old race. Right. And then I head butted a bridge. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that's what I thought because as I'm watching, I'm like, so they were filming it in 2015. And then obviously you didn't know what was going to happen. And then, then that documentary ends up becoming something else entirely because yeah. now it's more about the comeback yeah. and, you know, the setback and the comeback. Okay. So 2015, you're going down, you're going up a bridge. Is it, you're going down a bridge or up a yeah. bridge? Down going a bridge. Down. So yeah, we're in the backside of the mountain. There's a bunch of really deep, gorgeous gorges, um, big twisting switchbacks and this, this big, long, uh, so it's climb, 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 then a big, long downhill. And uh, we were going down through, we'd gone through the third gully. Um, there's these great big Jurassic Park looking gorgeous. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And uh, yeah, I was just ripping and I was 10th overall. I had just passed uh, Adam Fox and I, and Peter Hudson and Peter and I were just chatting it up a little bit. And, and um, I just put my head down and put the hammer to it. And uh, I was chasing number nine. I could see his crew van was getting closer and closer. And um because you start to recognize because the crew vans leapfrog the athletes right right yeah so the crew van once you go by they wait 10 minutes and then they zip ahead and they wait for you and, and we all do that and you start to recognize different crew vans as they start passing people and yeah i just had the hammer down and um i was going um about 40 miles an hour just under 70k an hour and uh i was told later that there was algae on the bridge deck right and we just know kinetically that um my my wheel slid out to the right because from the damage we know that i put my left hand down right because uh, right. i don't remember anything but of course i uh i sprained my fingers i sprained my wrist i busted my uh radial um radius bone in three pieces i shattered my shoulder in four pieces i broke five ribs um and then i just started a cartwheel and uh i didn't have my helmet strap up done tightly because i i didn't like the way it felt uh, i know right uh, so stupid do your freaking helmet up anyway uh my helmet spun while i cartwheeled down the highway and then at one point i smashed my knee and tore my mcl and took a big chunk out of my um um my main piece of cartilage there on the femoral head and as i spun around i flipped backwards and i i hit the, my skull backwards against the concrete curb and i broke my skull open and that was that yeah. was awesome. and i i had split my eyebrow wide open and i shaved off my ear like the whole my whole side of my face and my ear was like missing several layers of skin it was i had raspberries and bruises everywhere it was quite the but if you can picture yeah. driving down the highway in a convertible at, at 40 and just get out. Yeah. It doesn't that's go well. That's basically what that is. And you have, I mean, yeah, I, you don't have any padding at all, right? Like other than other than your shorts that are padded in the crotch, like that's right. Yeah. That's like the only thing that's not, not protecting much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're just you got road rash, you're yeah. but you yeah, a chunk in, of styrofoam on your head. Yeah, you go into a bridge. Uh now your neck. They thought it was broken, but your neck wasn't broken, right? Correct. I had really bad whiplash. They were worried about my neck, but I had, yeah. yeah, I had bad whiplash, but that was it. But so they so they airlift you uh, to the other island, right? They had Oahu. A, Oahu, and so your buddy went with you because your wife had your son was there, and yeah, it was just going to be too dream. right too much to for her to go, and then yeah. so you're you wake up like a couple of days later, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, the crash Saturday afternoon, I woke up Monday night. And, uh, you know, they kind of filled you in, obviously, what had happened. I, I, mean, I mean, assuming that when you woke up, you were like, you realized that something bad had happened, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's funny, too, because so I woke up and I, you know, I have that moment of like, where the hell am I? And I look and Lyle jumps out of his chair and I, my first thought was, can we still finish the race? But just to look <laughs> in his eyes, I'm like, nope. Um, yeah. So then, you know, you say, where am I? What happened? And he explains it all, whatever. I found out later that that was like the seventh or eighth time that that had played out. Oh, really? Yeah. I, not, I, not in that specific race, but just in general in the history of the race. No, no, in that moment. So in the hospital on the Monday. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about the crash. No, no, no. I had had woken up and said, where the hell are we? And he told me what happened like seven or eight times. Oh, wow. But it was interesting because Lyle started, he had started to lie to the nurses. (laughs) And uh, like they would come to give me another shot of morphine or whatever. And he'd he'd lie. He'd go, oh, somebody already gave him his dose. He's good. He, He already had it. Somebody else was just here. Maybe she forgot to write it down. He would lie to them and then they would stop giving me all these crazy drugs, these pain meds. Right. Uh And then um, he says, because you would just start to be intelligent and you would ask me what happened. And then we would have a conversation and then they give you these drugs and then frick, we're right back to square one. Uh, Okay. So he, so he did that. And um, he actually got me like a Starbucks, you know, whatever ice Frappuccino or something. And uh, it sharpened me up. And and then, so I started to come around and, okay. uh, and my, I, I jokingly say my hard drive started to record. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, you go through that and obviously I feel like, okay, like I said, I will never, don't say never, but I'm probably never going to do an Ironman. I'll do merit. <laughs> I'm training for a couple marathons right now, but that's about the extent of what I'm going to do. Um, but I so feel cool. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, like, I just got different stuff going on. Um, but I feel like I can connect with you in this way in that I bet, like how long once you like woke up and started talking where you're like, all right, well, when can I start training for the next one? Minutes. Right. It was minutes. It was, yeah. like, we literally made a live video from the hospital and I was like, in the video, I said, yeah, I'm a little, little banged up, but we'll race again. I'll, I need a couple of weeks and I'll start training again. Like right. I was just, there was never a hesitation of like, yeah, I'll get back at this. I love and it. I, yeah. And that's, you know, so I have ADHD. Um, my son has ADHD and autism. He's a fantastic kid. So he comes by it honestly, but uh, one of the greatest books I read on ADHD was uh, um, a hunter in a farmer's world. And I really feel like that. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm a hunter in a farmer's world and I need the hunt. Right. Right. People like me, endurance athletes, people that compete in any form. It doesn't matter whether it's bodybuilding. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anything we need that. We need at least a hit of that hunter's experience. And I remember being on team Canada at the ITU world championships in uh, Holland and laying on the table in the med tent Uh, Cause I had just gutted myself right for the, for the race with, you know, my flag on my back and whatever. And um, my wife was talking to me and uh, cause I'd thrown up and nearly passed out at the end. Cause I pushed myself to exhaustion. And uh, I said to her, I said, I said, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm not doing any more long triathlons ever again. 
And uh, she's like, oh, good. Because she was really worried about me at that race, right? right? This is back in 2008 or nine, <laughs> eight, I think. And, uh, and then I was talking to one of my buddies from Team Canada, and we started talking about a half Ironman the next summer. And he goes, yeah. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to sign up for that one too. And my wife's like, I thought you just, <laughs> I said, well, half Ironman's not long. And it's just within in no time at all. I had signed up for Ironman Canada 2010. And then the next year I did Ultraman. Like you just, you can't, it's, yeah. it's stupid to try and say, I'll never do this again. Cause you're, it's not, you're gonna. I get it, man. I get like, you know, I've, I've, I've slipped discs, I've herniated things, I've pulled, you know, hamstrings, broken toes, and, you know, just all these, and it's just like, okay, well, I can't do maybe this one thing that I normally do, but I could do all these other things right now, so I'll just do all those other things, and so this injury heals up, and then I'll be back at, like, I'm not gonna stop, like, my, you know, like your wife, my girl would just be like, just relax for, like, just, like, <laughs> let your body recover, I'm like, but like, I can't, like, you don't understand. Like yeah. there's this there. Yeah. There's just this thing where we're just like, no, like, yeah, this is going to set me back, but like, I could still do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, okay. So then you, you, so you're, you're in your almost deathbed, not your deathbed, but you're like, okay, I'm going to get back out there. And then you begin the rehab, you know, you, you, you get reunited with everybody, uh, which also just a little side note. I loved how, there was such solidarity and like all these people that continued the race, like your friends and people wearing your shirt and like, just yeah. like, I mean, I couldn't, I was just like watching this, like, I don't know if I have any friends that like, if I was running a marathon and then I couldn't do it, they'd be like, Oh yeah, we'll finish it for you, dude. Not one of my friends is going to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was amazing. Like um, Scotty James wasn't even training. He was just volunteering and he ran like a whole marathon with yeah. my on. And then he gave the shirt, he gave a shirt to Beth Brewster and she finished it in my honor. Like, That's right. It's just, you know, those are, they're just, it's like when one of our own hurts, right. It's Ohana is huge. Ohana right. and family. It's just, it's a big, big part of that race. Like we all help each other. Like I remember one year in 2013 at the world's um, one of the, one of the athletes, their crew van blew an alternator and another crew just ran double duty wow. and, and, and facilitated two athletes for four hours while that crew went and got their alternator fixed and got back in the game. And I mean, technically you're competing against each other, but nobody cares. Like, right. you know, in 2018, I blew a front tire and Jeremy Howard gave me Garav's tire from his crew. Like he, I was beating his athlete and he gave me his athlete's spare front tire so I could keep going. Like, that's right. just what you do. And of course we do the same thing. Like whatever you need, here you go. Like we're here. It's all of us want all of us to do our best and then just see what happens. Nobody cares who's first or second, maybe the first right. or second, third people do, but. Yeah. That's the sense I got. And that's something that I think having not seen the film would not have known because as a competitor, which I am like I played baseball and everything like you know mm -hmm. your your competition's your your enemy like right. we might be, we might be friends when the game's over but when we're between the lines like we're competing you know but it I didn't get that sense from the entire community which you know if there's 40 people it kind of makes sense because it's it's just you guys you know um, yeah. but I did that that was really inspiring to see how everyone just kind of comes together and helps everybody out like I thought that was really cool hundred percent. And it's like, I want to race you at your best 
while I'm at my best. And, and, and me, me beating you because your van had a flat tire. No, 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 no. That's not right. Like, let's take care of the van and you and I will just do our, like, it's, it's different. We all, everybody wants everybody to do well. Like it's, it's a different, and that's why I wanted to make a film. I wanted to show that Ohana, that family, that support, like they're, people are amazing. Ultra distance people are amazing. Nobody's in it for money. They're in it because they love it. They love the sport and we just love to help each other out. And yeah, I got that. That, 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 That was really cool. Especially like, you know, at a time, I mean, I don't know how things are in Canada, but uh, in the United States, you can say uh, there's some division that goes on. So, <laughs> so to see like the fact that like, okay, like, yeah, there is that, but there are also, there are still people that root for each other for no other reason. Like, cause there's people from different countries. Like you guys are from all over the world yeah. and there's just unity. And that was really yeah. nice for me to see especially like at a, after the year we've all had and just everything like it was, like I said, yeah. really cool. So my, it's, my, it's, yeah, it's humans being, it's beautiful. Like I don't like everybody pulls together and like, there's people from, from Slovenia and South America and USA and Canada and Australia and Britain. It doesn't matter. We're just, we're just humans. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sorry, but my country's just as friggin' nuts as yours right now. <laughs> It is. And it's like, everything is designed to pull us apart and make us fight. It's like, just stop it already. We're all tired of this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I I didn't mean to get into, but I mean, it just, it it was, it's, it's nice to see that like, when you look past some of that, that there, there is so much good that can come and we do have, you know, things that can bring us together. Like, like, like I, I love, you know, in, I love going to like a concert or like a sporting event, right? Cause ah. that's one of the things where it's like, you have, you know, 50,000 people or more from all walks of life. But mm-hmm. if Justin Turner hits a home run, like we're all best friends for, you know, 10 yeah. seconds. Or if Justin Timberlake is singing, like there's 20,000 of us singing together. And like, that's all that in that moment, like it's just the beauty of that. And it's like, I wish there was more of that being shown instead of you know hey this person believes this and this person believes this and this person slept it's like okay like let's just show more love and unity and i don't know stop trying to split us apart and make us yeah like that's one of the things i love about traveling is people are amazing like i've been to i don't know probably 15 different u.s states and people are great in every single one of them and i've been 15 something like that all right wait till you go to the rest of them I'm kidding. No, no, come on. I'm kidding. No, I've never I, sat down and counted them up. It's quite a few. And it's probably more than 15. Actually, you know what? It would be more than 15. But anyway, um, people are people. Like people yeah, there's awesome. Like I I I travel. Sorry. I, I mean, like, I travel my country and Canada for my job. And it's like, yeah, like I there's so many pl- and that's what I love about stand-up and maybe what you probably love about racing is like getting to go to some of these places that I probably would never go to. You know, like I would never, no offense guys, but like, I wouldn't just look at Wichita, Kansas on a map and be like, oh, I'm going to go there or, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma or wherever, but then you go and like, you meet people and you meet some, you meet some food and you do, and you're like, 
yeah, this is there's some cool people here. This is a cool place, right? We're people. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. I've been to New York, Florida, Louisiana, North Dakota. Like I then people are just people. California, yeah. they're just people. Everywhere I go, people are people and, and they're great. Politicians scare the crap out of me, but people are awesome. <laughs> true. You know? Very true. They are. It's, it's great. Um, okay, so so you start to mount your comeback, right? You're, you're, you're on your near death. You're, you're not, I, I say, and I mean near almost death, but cause you did almost die. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're already like, yeah, I'm going to race, race back out there. You know, you start the recovery, you're going to physical therapy, all these things, you're getting your skull put together. Like, okay, first of all, <laughs> like how do yeah. How do they, when you break your skull, like you don't wear like a skull cast, do you? No, they use metal staples. That's the only thing I remember between Saturday and Monday. I, yeah. I would have I would have swore on a stack of Bibles that some guy had a size 12 combat boot on my head and a hilti bolt gun. Like yeah. I, that's the only thing I'm I remember screaming murder when oh. they bolted my skull. That friggin' hurt. That's the only thing I remember between ah. Saturday and Monday. It was them stapling my friggin' skull plate. Ugh. And then yeah. does it just, I mean, I, I'm very ignorant to this, knock on wood. Thankfully, I haven't broken my skull. Like, so they staple it and then just, it just kind of mends on its own, just basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a like bone. a broken, like a broken bone with a cast, but with, they just use staples instead. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's it's, crazy. It healed. <laughs> I got a nice big fat scar, <laughs> but I have to oh, really? when I shave my head, but. Oh, no. But, <laughs> um, no okay. Any other bone, it heals. So you start to mount your comeback, obviously, you're going to physical therapy and everything. And then you finally, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to start training again. And then in training, you like, you messed up your hand. Oh, <laughs> you, you're like, you're like, you broke, you, I know you dislocated your finger, but it looked a lot worse in the video. Like it was bleeding and you said you could see like your ligaments and stuff. So like, did you yeah. break the skin? Is that what happened? Yeah, I gloved it right down to the ligaments. So I, I basically, they call it a gloving injury. Basically, you peel all of the skin back and expose the bone and the ligaments. So, yeah, that sucked. That was, there was, a, there was so many hurdles. Um, so in 2017, I was trying to run again and build up to, to an iron distance to do Ironman Coeur d'Alene. And every time I ran past 90 minutes coming on two hours, my knee would swell up and ache and I had trouble walking. And then um, I discovered through a, just a goofball accident that we were messing around playing a game and I got knocked over and my MCL, my medial collateral ligament tore free from the cartilage because it had repaired itself with a fibrous bridge after uh -huh. the crash. And we didn't realize that. We didn't know why my, cause my physio was stumped and everybody was, like, I don't understand why your knee is so sore. And, and because my, my MCL and the cartilage had healed as one piece so that that ligament wasn't moving. So it accidentally got ripped free, which then I had to go have knee surgery. So they had to shave off this big piece of cartilage and they had to clean up the MCL and, and everything and um, like that. And then, okay. So then I finished, Ironman Coeur d'Alene in enough time to apply, which I was very excited. And so, okay. And that was, that was, I think five or six weeks post knee surgery that this is Ironman Coeur d'Alene, which was, that's insane. I didn't think that was going to go as well as it. I went from six, eight weeks of no running. Right. I, I built myself a six week program where I had three weeks where I wasn't allowed to run post-op. And then I had three weeks and I trained in three weeks. I trained for a half marathon and I thought, well, 
I guess I'll do a half marathon and, and then the rest will just be what it is. And I managed it. And I, I, I think I had, I don't know, four or five minutes to spare on my pre-qualifying time to finish um, Ironman Coeur to qualify to apply. But then, yeah, like you said, so we got, I got that put behind me and it's awful to watch the video because I was like 237 pounds because with all the surgeries and the emotion, I was eating like an idiot. Right. I got all fat and out of shape. And you made a, um, you made a blog post about that. You're like, I'm fat. I'm not I happy. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really grumpy. And uh, so then anyway, I, I was like, all right. So I took all the things I know how to do. Cause I coach people for nutrition for God's sakes. So I started coaching myself for nutrition <laughs> and yeah, I dropped 40 pounds and I pulled back down to 190 and, um, I think 194 or whatever like that. And everything was going well again. I was training super hard and I got to triathlon training camp in Arizona in end of February, early March. And, uh, I was still having issues with my brain knowing where my hands and feet were in space. There was like a hundredth of a second delay. Oh, really? Right. As it's just a leftover from the crash. And I was uh -huh. doing all these things. We call them Stroop tests. There's all these things where you'll have uh, a whole list of words, color words on a board. And like, it'll say red, but it's blue and it'll say green, but it's yellow. And so you have to either say the color or say the word or alternate every row or like, there's all these things got you it. have to do right and you got to look at a lighted pan and follow with your eyes and you got to close one eye and close the other eye literally stand on one leg and do all these things to try and make your brain connect again because it was broken it was, i had a really bad brain injury so i had done all this kind of stuff but there was still a bit of a delay and i used to trip all the time when i was trail running so it was the last day of tri camp and i was sprinting down this mountain chasing a couple of elites and pros um trying to keep up with them as you do and uh we were just coming around a corner and there was just some loose rock and i caught a toe and i tripped and um where i put my fingers down there was just a bunch of loose rock and i folded six fingers back and i gloved one of them and completely dislocated the finger till the bones were beside each other um and dislocated another finger so yeah, it sucked. I was so friggin' mad. Um, and that was 2018. So yeah, I had to go to the hospital and reattach the fingers. So and all that. <laughs> I was so mad. And fingers do not heal fast. They, no, their blood vessels are so small. They took forever. I still can't close my right hand all the way. I have to force it. Like it doesn't close. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. I broke my. I've broken my pinky. And yeah, yeah. it's still like, yeah, same. Like it doesn't, I don't know. It never yeah. fully, I don't know. Maybe because we're old too. I don't know. Yeah. It's a piece, <laughs> but fingers, they just, they don't get a lot of blood flow. The blood vessels are, they're like literally one blood cell wide. So they just heal really slowly. So I went to hand therapy clinic for ages and I see physio once a week. And now physio is down to uh, once every three weeks now, but. Um, but you're still going. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. So, so what was this thing? So I know they gave you like some kind of like a device to kind of help you in the rehab, but like it didn't fit on your timeline. So you that was my fingers. Yeah. So you made up something else to kind of speed it up. <laughs> yeah. But I thought was great because you're like, yeah, that timeline doesn't work for me. So I need I'm gonna yeah. figure something else out. And then you've made like your own contraption or something, <laughs> right? So at, at the hand therapy clinic. So what happened was, you know, my hand was in a cast for six weeks 
right? Yeah. The finger reattached and everything. And then they take the cast off. Well, now your fingers are permanently curved. The ligaments are frozen curved. So I couldn't straighten my hands, right? I couldn't hold on to a bike handlebar. I couldn't swim, right? So they're like, oh yeah, we'll give you the thing. So they heat molded this plastic finger thing and then they put it on and they Velcroed all of this stuff. And they're like, that'll stretch your fingers out. We'll slowly straighten it. And I was like, okay, well, how long that'll take? She said, take about six months to get your fingers to straight. (laughs) We'll slowly do a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit every day. And I was like, six months. And she said, yeah. And then once they're straight, then we'll spend six months getting them to bend again. And I was like, okay, I'm on a different timeline than you are. So I went and I bought some aluminum braces. They've got like foam glued to one side, like finger splints. Uh And I basically put them on the back of my finger. And then I just, I just took some duct tape and I just wrapped it super tight until the finger was straight. (laughs) And I did that with my three fingers. I just duct taped them straight and it hurt. Like I, holy crap. I couldn't sleep for two or three nights because the pain was ridiculous, even with painkillers. But I went back a week later (laughs) <laughs> they were just like you did what but my fingers were straight i'm like there right. they're straight can we start bending them now <laughs> i see your six weeks i give you one week right that's or six a, months yeah that's so I, I i feel like that kind of goes to where like like to being an endurance athlete right especially like ultras and all that is a lot of it is mental right mm-hmm. like you, you be know, comfortable you, with pain yeah, like you train, you're never going to feel great, especially once you get going, right? Like something's always going to be ailing. And it's just a matter of, I mean, essentially, as cliche as it sounds, mind over matter, right? It is. Con- conquering it, just, you know, as, as David Goggins would say, not being a little bitch. And like, <laughs> just like in the way he talks, but like, that's what it is. It's right. It's, it's, I know I'm in pain, but I have to do this and I'm going to push past it. And that's really what it is. It's like, like uh you know we talk about all the time but like you know the human body can actually do a lot but it's more the brain that tells us hey this hurts this is uncomfortable let's stop but for you guys it's like well no we can't stop because we got you still got 100 more miles to go you just and so that's kind of i feel like with your fingers and all these things it's just like yeah well i'm in pain but i also have this thing to do so i'm just going to figure this out and ignore the pain or manage it i guess and just keep going right yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it, it's, it's in every sport it's in life. It's it, yeah. the big question is, are you willing, are you willing to be that uncomfortable? And you know, like it's, it's, it's no different than last year when I, when COVID hit and they said, shut down your gym and okay, we were to do all this online stuff. And we were, I was designing online this and online that and we were making videos and we we're doing all these stupid things. And then I stopped and I did the math and I went, Scotty, this never works. This, it, there's no chance you can keep this 15,000 square foot building paid for during this. And I knew it wasn't 14 days to flatten the curve. I, right. I, I thought it was going to be six months, but whatever. <laughs> I knew it was not going to work. And so I just, it, in two days, I was like, pulled my staff together. I said, okay, guys, we're shutting her down. And I announced it to the world and we sold off all our equipment, paid off all our debts and paid off all our members. And we, and we just walked away and you have to be willing to do that kind of crap. And this is the same. Like if you want to, 
if you want to be a power lifter or you want to be a Spartan athlete or you want to run a marathon, it doesn't matter. You have to be willing to be so freaking uncomfortable. It's yeah. awful for a short period. And, and that's endurance athletics. Like, like the, the reason I'm successful at Ultraman is because I will out suffer you. Yeah. I won't quit when it's awful. And like, it's funny because you watch the film and you look at it like, in, in, an, in an average Ultraman double marathon, I'll lose seven toenails. Like, like there's a time where <laughs> it's happened a couple of times, but at the fir, after the first marathon's done, because it's, it's 100 Fahrenheit, it's 30 odd degrees Celsius. So there's asphalt and black lava and black lava. Like it's, it's, there's no shade. It's relentless. You're pouring water down your head. Well, that travels down to your feet. It makes blisters. And so at the first marathon, we pull off my shoes and we take off my gross socks and we clean my feet and we lube them up and we put on dry socks and a fresh pair of shoes, right? It's mental as anything, but it helps you get through. But the problem becomes that my feet won't fit in the fresh shoes, even though I've worn them before, because there's all of my toes have blisters. Every, so then the guys have a razor blade and they cut open all the blisters oh, and then they God. coat it in a salve, right? An anti-infection thing. And then I put my socks on and I'm here to tell you, it hurts like trucker language swear right it hurts <laughs> and but whatever you put your shoes on and you stand up and it's like oh razor blades hey okay and you just start friggin' running and you know it hurts but you're like well it's not going to get worse like it you know i know what it is so whatever and off right. you go and you just you have to be willing to be uncomfortable yeah that's a that's a have you ever read the book relentless by tim yes. grover yeah. That's that. That's the thing. It's comfortable being uncomfortable, man. Like I just, yeah. that's like, my, that, that's, that book is like my Bible, but. Uh, I coach a lot of athletes and I coach a lot of regular, normal, average people to fat loss and you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And, and that can be saying no to ice cream when you're at your friend's house and everybody's having ice cream, that can be the uncomfortable you have to deal with. Yeah. Or it can be running for a, you know, hundred miles or it doesn't matter, whatever it is. At some point, if you really want something, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, 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 you go through the setbacks, you're rehabbing, you, you, you make it back to, to ultra. Right. Ooh. And uh, you, you, you get there, you swim, you don't throw up, which everyone was shocked out. And now that we learned. So good. Uh, um, and then uh, you uh, you were cutting it close to the cut, right? The second oh, day, right? They cut, they yeah, they, they cut X because you have to get like under 12 hours. Is that right? Yeah. So in, in 2018, um, the volcano blew, right? Oh, and so okay. a whole big section of the traditional course was under 100 feet of lava. That's right. So they altered the course. So right? they altered the course. So instead of going around the perimeter of the island, we went up and over Saddle Mountain Road, which is the equivalent of cycling halfway up Everest. Oh, God. There's 14,000 vertical feet of climbing wow. on day two. It was crushingly hard. And it was blue sky day, like relentless heat and high winds. Although the winds could have been way worse. I've seen them way worse. But um out of the top 40 athletes in the world, 14 people didn't make it on day two because right. it was really, really hard. It was, that's one of those times where I had to go to the depths of hell, like to just blinding discomfort 
where yeah. everything is just a raw nerve and you just hurt and every cell in your body wants to just friggin stop and you don't you go right. faster because you have to now is this is this to while you were doing this is this when you were uh also uh trying to um like you couldn't keep anything like you knew you needed fuel but you couldn't no. eat anything and they were like playing around with different like <laughs> you know you got you got like i know like like when i run you know, super long, you get like the goose and stuff like that, but like yeah. nothing was working. Right. Yeah. We call it the food lottery. So <laughs> in the back of the van, we have, um, a, a, a couple rows of those plastic cheap drawers, right? Uh -huh. Like they've got yeah, like yeah. a, you get them at Walmart. They got like a white frame and just like right. a clear plastic drawer. Yeah, yeah. And and there's like six drawers and they all have different food. They're like, this is the planned food. This is the healthy planned food. And then this is the sort of healthy food. And then this is chocolate bars. And then this is crap. And this is like DEFCON 4. And, <laughs> and you just you just keep trying stuff. And and you, your body just goes, nope, nope, nope. Until you find something that says yes. Yeah. And so like, when, the, when the body says no, are you like, I'm sorry to get graphic, but like, are you throwing it up? Or you're, you're just gonna. not... You just can't put it down or it's a combination. So like you'll, okay. you'll, you'll get it in, but your body's like, I'm going to puke. Okay. No more, no more. Okay, like it. just that overwhelming feeling. So I was just plain water for maybe two hours, which wow. is no calories in water. No. Right? And you're, you're dumping calories out hard. Like my Garmin showed me at the end of day two that year, um, my net calories, I was negative 6,000. Negative six thousand. Negative six thousand, and I had eaten five thousand. So you're burning eleven thousand calories yeah, roughly. Yeah, because I was just under twelve hours at max effort. Like wow, it just you're just pouring it out there. It's it's hard. But, but it, and and the thing that got it was a chocolate shake. It was a chocolate milkshake, which I never <laughs> would have predicted. But my buddy Darren, he had just bought a chocolate milkshake at the donut shop, and he was making it for him. But he's that guy. He knows. He's like, here, try this. Because we know that's the rule. Try this. Yeah. And I took a sip, and I'm like, oh, my sweet Jesus, what is this? And I just drained the thing. Just drained it. And all of a sudden, I had booster engines again. And I just got on the bike, and I was just smashing the pedals. I was uh -huh. like 27 miles an hour uphill. Like it was just insane. I just in the in the rain and the wind, and I was started passing traffic. I just all of a sudden, it was the one two of look. I know I need to go. Plus, my body has some fuel somehow, and I just I just went for it. And then so and then you finish. And this is a part that I mean I got emotional, but like just seeing you cry and hug your friends when you finish when you, you make the cut that yeah. second day, like just the emotion and like, you can't, yeah. I'm sorry guys, but if you watch it, you're going to cry. I'm just telling you now, like yeah. it was just, it, it got me, man. Cause it's like, I, I can't imagine. I, I usually I can imagine, but in this instance, I'm like, <laughs> I actually can't imagine. Like it was, it was huge. Cause for a lot of people came back to that race in 2018. Cause they knew I was coming and, and they were there that day that I almost died. Yeah. And and it was this unfinished thing for them too. And like you got a picture on the day two, it's dark out. It's not it gets cold fast, right? In end of November when the sun goes down. Right. And um there's like this circle of like 40 people 
just waiting for me to come in. And, yeah. and they've, some of them, some of the athletes, they've already long finished their day and they should be back in their hotel room getting ready for the double marathon. But instead they're standing around waiting for me. And yeah. uh, that was crazy emotional. And obviously my buddy Lyle, like, um, you know, he, when he came around the corner in 2015, he thought I was dead. Right. So yeah. It was huge. The look on his face. Oh, that's a hug for the ages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really, it really, it really was, man. Like, I'm sensitive though, so like, I cry at all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but watching That's this, I was like, oh man, dude. Like, um, and then, so at that point, you still have to run two more marathons. In a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like you that, make the, that's the next day. Yeah, you make the cut and everything, and you're like, it, there's obviously a sense of relief and you know, yeah. celebration to an extent, but knowing like there's the first time, I mean, there's not a lot of times when people can be like happy that they're about to run 52 miles the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, at, but at that point you knew that because there's not a time that you have to run the marathon by, right? You can there is kinda, 12 hours. Oh, there is. It's 12. Okay. Okay. See, I didn't know this. Okay. So yeah. you still have to run within 12 hours, two yeah. marathons, yeah. which is, I on mean, a normal day fine right right yeah but not you know, after like, all the sh everything not after, yeah doing. not after all the crap we've just done right yeah, that's yeah. the thing right and that's the thing like normally day two doesn't gut me like that like normally day two i'm about nine nine and a half hours but this was 11 and a half hours like it was right. it was an extra two two and a half hours of gut-wrenching effort so yeah your tank is empty like but that's the cool thing. Like the human body is way more incredible than we give it credit for. It really I, tell people, I tell people that all the time, but I mean, honestly, Scott, like people are not going to listen to us. They're like, <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like you yeah. can, like, like you said, you know, there's so many different facets of it. You can be a power lifter. You can be a, a bodybuilder. You could be an endurance athlete. You can just yeah. look good in pictures and like have that be your your journey like it's whatever it is man like um so you finish you do it like and then you're like yeah i'm gonna do that again <laughs> <laughs> yep maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah maybe not tomorrow or the day after but like i'm gonna do this again and and yeah. so is is it at this point for you is it just like, I mean, I know you love it, obviously, but is it so, cause I'm in this boat where like, I still play baseball with a lot of my guys that I played with since like high school and college and stuff. Like we still play cause we can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And is it, that's kind of what it is for me. It's like, well, I can still play and I love it. So I'm going to keep doing it. Is that kind of where you're at at this point? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's whisperings of, I wonder if this will be my last year at Ultraman that, that I've had that thought. Uh -huh. Um, but I come to it uh, from as long as it doesn't detrimentally hurt. Uh -huh. I want to keep doing it because I enjoy it. Like, you know, I feel like it hurts a lot, though. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> There's a difference between you're wrecking things and this is hard. Got and it. I don't mind. Okay. This is hard. I don't want to wreck things, but I don't mind. This is hard. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you're destroying something that's permanent, okay, maybe that's not a good idea. But if it's just hard, I'm not afraid of hard. I like hard. Hard, hard 
makes me better. It makes me stronger. It, it's, yeah. I miss it when it's gone. Uh, so I know you, you shut down your gym and everything, which unfortunately, like a lot of gyms everywhere, especially in your country, in my country, you know, they, ha they had no choice but to close, obviously, like permanently. Um, so you kind of pivoted into like speaking and stuff like that now at this point. Yeah. So I do keynote speeches. Uh, I'm writing for a couple of magazines, which is great. And then I run a 21 day nutrition detox online, as well as a six week challenge, um, both heavy nutrition based. And I give daily mindset videos. So every morning at 5am, you can watch it whenever you want, but you get a, you get a daily mindset video lo loaded from me on all things from um, like nutrition basics or nutrition nuances or um like like what happens physiologically in your body when you exercise but a lot of it is psychological how to overcome yeah. the challenges of of the psychological bit so i cover a whole bunch so in the 21 obviously i've got 21 different videos so every day is a different video to motivate inspire and teach and then in the six week then it's another different 42 day video so I love it. I get to, I get to do that. I've got two groups running at the same time. Um, I run them every month. So at the start of every month, I run a, run a program, which is really great. Cause I still, I love being able to coach people. Um, and I've got a couple of keynote speeches coming up. I do lots of, lots of stuff on zoom, um, right. and podcasts and yeah, I've got lots on the go. It's, it's fun. Can you give us a, like a, just tell us like where they can find them in case people want to look for them online we'll we'll put it in the show notes too but some people sure. don't know how to use show notes so yeah yeah <laughs> um no it's easy um triple dub scottyfit.com will take okay. you to my website so scottyfit.com and then that takes you to the website to link to see the movie which i've made free we you know we were charging uh we were, had, had a, a you know it was ten dollars us to watch it and after a while i'm like this is stupid. I mean, yeah. Did we spend a ton of money on the film and do I need to make money to go to Ultraman this year? Yeah. But I just want people to watch the movie. I, I yeah. So whatever. So I just changed it, made it free. And now more people are watching it. So I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it too. Yeah. I think, I don't, I mean, I think people, I just, I think like, like we were talking about kind of is like at a time when there's so much, to, even still, even though we're almost done with this whole thing, like just division, it's just cool to see, like, I think a lot of people could just benefit from watching and just, there's just so many good things about it. 100%. You know? So it's, the more people, the more people that can see it, the better, I think. Absolutely. It's, it um, needs more of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know? I, I, I agree. I just need it to be free. So I put a little link, like there's a button you can go to if you feel like making a PayPal, you want to say, hey, that was great. Here's five bucks. Great. But you don't have to. It's Got great. it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you some, these questions are going to be a little bit tougher really quick. Cool. There's, a, there's a couple. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, we could speak on this. You can speak probably just as an endurance athlete, but maybe as a, as a business owner as well, you can take a pick. But um What's the one thing you wish you would have known when you started your career? Mm, started my career. I've had several careers. I've had architecture and I've had um, my gym career. One of the things I wish I would have known starting my career. I mean, like I said, we could do it. If you want to just do it, speak on it as an endurance athlete, you can do it that way. Uh, mm. If that's easy for the gym business, um, I would say pay, pay yourself right away fairly. Like for so yeah. many years, I didn't pay myself. And then I paid myself for a while. And then I stopped paying myself. And 
there's just nothing good about that. Like there's nothing good. Having lost the business, nobody cared that I hadn't drawn a paycheck for three years. Right. Nobody cares. They don't. Yeah. It is not relevant. And so you think you're being some superhero by not getting a paycheck so that your staff are taken care of. They don't care. They're unaware. Right. So pay yourself. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go with uh, who are three people that have been most influential in your life? Oh, you that's a great question. Three big influential pieces, people in my life. Um, so many good people. You know, my best friend, one of my best friends, Darren Thompson, um, has been tremendously influential to me. Um, the, the Performa guy? The guy that owns Performa. He's been <laughs> one of my best friends for a long time, and he's a fantastic human being. Um, he's a great you know, guy. He is, yeah. Um, I'm going to say there used to be this guy, T. Harv Ecker, who was a self-help guy. He was like Tony Robbins, but short and Canadian. Uh, <laughs> he's been fantastically huge. He's had a profoundly huge effect on my life. Um, What's his name again? D. Harvecker. He's all D. retired now from... D. D. Harvecker? E. T stands for the... The Oh, D. Got it. T. That was his reminder to himself that he's the only Harvecker there is. Hilarious. T. Harvecker, yeah. Got it. Uh, T. Harvecker, I'd be an idiot if I didn't mention my wife. She's been amazing. She's been with me through... We were high school... or Sorry, college sweethearts, and she's put up with a lot, and she's uh, she drives me crazy, but I love her to bits. So yeah. she's, been, she's been with me for some crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, just from watching, like I said, the film, I could see like, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I can draw parallels a little bit. Like it probably takes a special type of person to put up with like you being an endurance athlete, because like you said, there's gonna be a lot of times when you're gone, a lot left on her, you got to get your training in. So she's probably got to watch, you know, the kid and take care of all that stuff while you're out being yeah. Superman. Um, so yeah, it's a special type of person that has to partner with. It is. And you know, it's, um, it's part of being married is realizing, um, that I'm the best husband I can be when I'm an endurance athlete. Yep, and yep. so my wife sings in an all ladies acapella group called sweet Adeline. So that Aka what acapella. I know it's. <laughs> From Pitch Perfect. I know, it? Aka what? I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you knew. I was like, did you just reference Pitch yeah, Perfect? Okay. 100%. 100%. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she's exactly, she does all that stuff. And so I put up, like, oh, I shouldn't say put up with, I support her. <laughs> that was, I just about blew it. Um, <laughs> I support her rehearsals and her travel for her competitions right. and for, because I know she's happiest when she does yeah. that. So there's a couple times a week um, there's where I make sure that I am not working. So I take care of my son. I do the whole evening and she's free to go off with her girls and do her thing. And she knows. So I know that that she she's her happiest when she gets to do that. So I support her and yeah. she knows I'm the happiest when I get through it. Like I've had times when I've come home from work. And she'd be like, hey, how are you? And she's like, you should go for a run. I'm supposed to go for a run. I don't have time to go for a run. She's like, you really need to go for a run. <laughs> and I was like, you're probably right. And I put on my stuff and I go out for a run and I come back 10K later and I bounce in the door. And she's like, she's like, hey, I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, yeah, there's my husband. Like, right. So she knows that sometimes endurance athletics makes me sane. Yeah. 
right? 100%. It's my outlet. So yeah. Long answer to a short question. No, that's great. Um, Okay. What's, um, what's, let's go with endurance because this is just fascinating. Um, What's one common myth that you would like to debunk about endurance athletes? (laughs) Holy cow. There's tons of them. Uh, big old bowl of pasta the night before a race. Dumbest idea in the world. Yeah, that's 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 not a thing anymore, right? That was like such it, old school. Oh my gosh. I know people that still do it. And if you sign up for a race and they have a carb load dinner, it's friggin' pasta. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing. The um, that's a big one. Uh, I'm, I'm I'll go with that one. So what do you eat the night before? Um, so I carb load three days in advance because it takes okay. one night to yeah. Two um, but I have my coach Scotty's magic formula, which is white rice, like uh-huh. minute rice, because yep. you do not want fiber. Cause that means pooping. Yep. Right. So white rice with cashews and honey and you stir it up and it's, it's the last thing I eat before I go to bed and it just fills your muscles with glycogen and it makes you ready to rock and it's easy to digest. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't have a bunch of fiber. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's go one more. Um, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue this lifestyle of yours? Um, like ultra distance events and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or speaking in podcasts is a whole different world. Uh, ultra, ultra distance stuff. Um, the best advice I would give somebody, I actually have to give this to my athletes all the time is, uh, cause I coach endurance athletes too, is beware of the terrible twos too much, too soon, too hard, too fast. Yeah. Um, people want to go a thousand miles an hour all the time. And you can't, you have to build a whole transition. You yeah. gotta have a transmission. You, you, you gotta have all the different speeds. Like there's going to be like your, your slow days need to be slow. Your fast needs days need to be fast. Your hill days need to be hard as hell. Your easy recovery days need to be recover. When I tell you to take a week off, take a freaking week off. Like, right. you know, like endurance athletes are a funny, funny breed. You give them two, three light days, they panic and go smash a big session. Right. I'm losing all my fitness. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. But we do think like that though, right? Like oh, yeah. you, you, you think like, like, I mean, like I said, I, I, I work out all the time and it's like this thing where it's like, I know I'm supposed to take rest days, but then on that rest day, you're just like, uh, like I, I I'm, I'm missing out on my gains today, but like, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you do, you have to trust the work that you've already put in, know that your body needs the rest. And especially like in an endurance ath- in endurance events, the important thing is making it to race day healthy, right? Yeah. Or at least it as is. healthy as possible, not yeah. injure yourself. Yeah. Like, um, you know, Joel Friel was one of the first, um, in the triathlons training Bible back in the day, he's one of the first guys. Well, I don't know who really invented periodization in that true sense, but that whole build, build peak recover, right. A week of build, a week of build, a week of peak and a week of recover. That recovery week is gold and endurance athletes hate it. They want to go build, 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 peak, 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 build, build, peak, peak, build, build, peak. You can't. Yeah. You're not a robot. Like that's not how that works. Um, do you, do you have a favorite superhero, Scott? Oh, you know, that's a fun conundrum Wolverine, because I would love the ability to heal from anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and Spider-Man. Cause he's just friggin' cool. Okay. 
Yeah. Like a combination of Wolverine and who would be a combination of Wolverine? They should have a kid, right? Yeah. Wolverine and Spider-Man. That'd be awkward. I'm trying to think. <laughs> It would be, but I mean, yeah. so is having metal in your body. And yeah, you know. <laughs> I, w- I would probably pick Wolby just because he just lives, he's he, he like gets to basically live forever and he can recover yeah. from anything, break his bones, no problem. Um, okay, so uh, tell tell our listeners where they can connect with you online, sir. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Scotty Fit Sylvan is usually where that comes up. But if you go, you know, What's, what, what is it? Scotty Fit Sylvan. Scotty Fit Sylvan. S Y L V A N. So Sylvan okay. Lake is where I live. But um, oh, got it, got it. Pretty, pretty searchable. And um, yeah, if you go to scottyfit.com, got it. You'll find me there. And there's links to to my social media stuff there. Okay, we'll put all the we'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Um, Scott, I you you you've inspired me to not be an ultra, you know, <laughs> but like to maybe just give people more hugs or something like, I don't know. I just, I was so inspired by your story. Um, and it, it came at a great time, honestly, because like I said, with the world still, you know, we're almost out of it, but there's still some kind of some chaos. So it was just, it was exactly what I needed. Um, I, you, you've inspired me and I'm sure anyone that hears your story inspired, um, hopefully I'm sure I'll probably meet you at some point because yeah, we're doing this and I got to go to Edmonton, uh, at some point this year, but uh, I look forward to, to shaking your hand. Like I said, you've inspired me. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the Performa uh, podcast. Uh, hang on for one second when I hit you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been the Performa podcast and we will see you guys next time.